Welcome to the Draft Champions podcast. I'm here with um, a good friend of mine that I haven't um, talked to on this podcast for, it seems like years, but um, nonetheless, a great friend, Big Johnny Legeza. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yes, perfectly nailed. Perfectly nailed, okay, I, don't, Zach, I, I hate up? mispronouncing okay. names. You know that. Yeah, I, and listen, it happens, you know, and I, whatever, that's part of the culture nowadays. I don't mind. If people try, I know they're going to get it wrong. It's not, you know, it's not the easiest. Once it gets corrected, I know you'll get it from there. So I was, listen, I was, listening, to, I was listening to one of your podcasts. So that's why I know um, roughly how to, say, how, to, how to say it today. I was in, like, speaking of that, you have a new, um, you're, under the, you're under a new umbrella now. Um, yes, I, I moved the uh, Cork Stats over to the Mayo Media Network on YouTube, but I also have the Cork Stats channel itself because I'm with Mayo on Monday and Friday, but I wanted another place to put stuff where I have a new medium. I'm trying to get the Cork Stats podcast transferred over. It's been not as easy as I thought it was. It Hopefully is. that'll get going in a week. Yo, I, was, I, was no, searching, the- I was searching for it today and I couldn't find Cork Stats. I'm like, where is this? And now it's under the Mayo. It's a new logo, Mayo Media um, Network. Um, it's called Fantasy Baseball Picks, right? Well, that that that's the video series. That's on, I'm, that's I'm on iTunes. Me. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yes, they also upload to iTunes and all major audio providers. I was talking about the other, like I was also doing the audio only, more kind of conventional baseball podcast. The videos we're talking about, Zach, or I don't know if you see, man, I upped up the production yeah, value. We got the green screens. I got green screens. I got overlays. I'm really trying to step up the video game. But I'm trying to get the audio only stuff where we do kind of the long form interviews back. Yeah, I'm just I'm just in flux right now. So everybody just keep an eye on the MLB moving averages handle. Keep an eye on Cork Stats in on YouTube, iTunes, and all that good stuff. And I'm going to be bringing the heat the whole offseason, of course. Right. So it's at MLB moving ABG and Bingo. you're at the um, Mayo Media Network. Um, did you ever watch the um, the show on, I think, Nickelodeon, Doug Funny? Oh, yes. You absolutely have to make at least one Patty Mayo joke. When okay. So, I'm, okay. I won't even because, okay. So if you know that, if it's, <laughs> if it's already, if it's already been done, fuck it. All right. Um, I won't make that joke. So I got, I got better jokes. I got better jokes in store. Um <laughs> So yeah, um, what else do we have to talk about? So what we're going to do um, before we um, get into the little fluff and pop show that, that we have here, um, today we're going to be talking about uh, John's post 480p team. So the all post 400 team. So basically he's drafting just from the pool of players after 480p and trying to make a team. And what I'm going to respond uh, to him with is um, my um, sort of like the Casey Cha cross off your list team before picked 400. So we're gonna sort of have like a nice contrast there. Um, but before we start, I wanna, I actually wanna bring something up and I know you used to be with FDN and like um, I was talking to our, my, 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 I'll call them friends, John, like um, Maddie and Vlad, because I love those guys, um, uh, despite what I'm gonna say. Um, but they, they have this guide coming out and I'm gonna support them of course, because uh, like I said, um, I love them, but um, I saw this article out there and I, I asked someone, I haven't, I haven't, um, I haven't got my subscription. I haven't gone, um, I haven't had time to subscribe yet or, or buy the guide, but I will. Um, and I want to, I want to plug it a little bit, but there was one article about the overall winners, winners and I don't really talk about this a lot, but I, I won um, the online auction overall last year. So, you know, kind of big deal. Right. Um, and uh, there was an article about all the, all the winners, but guess what? I was the only one that's omitted from that article. I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. So I sort of, I'm sort of half joking, right? Like, I don't really care. I'm not losing sleep over it. But again, I don't know. It's sort of like a kick in the nuts to me, right? So um, I want to buy their guide. So I'm looking at their guide, right? I want to look at their guide. I'm like, should I buy this guide after like, you know, I'm kind of slighted from it by FTN, right? Um, 
big network on Twitter that we all interact with. A lot of a lot of exposure, a lot of high profile people there too that that came that came to the that came to the table and, and wrote a wrote an article for this guide. So you know what? Like I want to make sure that like despite the fact that I'm I'm a little bit um you know what I feel like a little bit slighted that I wasn't mentioned in that article. Like you know you want some recognition. So I'm like, do I still want to buy this guide? And like you look at the sections and who's writing this section. I'm like, okay, let's let's look into this. So they have a section on how to navigate in innings limits. You know what happened last year? Do you see what happens? Corbin Burns of the FP, SP1. You're not seeing what's going on in the NBA and NFL? I'll tell you everything you need to know in 10 seconds. Just draft good players. There you go. You don't need that fucking section. Number two, they have a guy writing about, they have a guy writing stolen base strategy that he, that he thinks that he can get um, all the stolen bases he needs with drafting players with no more than 10 stolen bases. Okay, good. Now you get the best player in the world to agree to write an article on strategy for you on, in his draft guide. And you get him to write it on saves, a strategy, the category he struggled mo most with, nonetheless. That's like getting the founder of Microsoft on your show and asking him about vaccines. Then you have an entire section dedicated to prospects. Do you realize that this draft guide isn't for dynasty leagues? It's been proven year after year that drafting prospects is a losing strategy in the long run. That's like having a guide to investing in stocks and having a section on investing in Enron. Lastly, you've got a head-to-head -head points league section. Well, you do not, you just might as well have a section on how to, how to, how to win at roulette. So, you know what, like, um, again, I said, like, I'm buddies with these guys, I'm gonna plug their guide. I, it sounds like a great guide, like based on my description. So, um, if, yeah, if you see any of the, the advertisements, go on to FDN and, and buy that draft guide. That was the deafening silence of me squirming in my chair. Oh, sorry. You know, listen, I, I, I actually you don't, read... you, don't to, you don't have to respond to it, like I said. No, it's okay. I, listen, I got none but love for all those guys. Business is business for me. And most people, I mean, really, anybody that has rolled with me or worked with me in any capacity knows that. For me, it's, I don't think any, I don't take it personally at all. Bunch of great guys and gals there. I actually read the draft kit. You know, listen, I, I think, Zach, I think when it comes to truly, really advanced players, I think a draft kit is not really meant to appeal to us in all facets. I, I like Jenny's article about roster construction. And if I could ever get my audio uh, show going again, I'd, I'd like to have her on because uh, she builds, she builds these pathways and I just kind of got to kind of have a different um, theory to it. But yeah, I don't know, you know, draft kits, you take them, you leave them. I like to read as much as I can, man, even Zach, let's, let's say you are critical of a draft kit again, you know, I I'm think just, I'm, just, I'm not. I'm not. Did I sound critical of the draft kit? No, I, I don't. I don't think you sounded critical at all. I'm okay. saying if I'm okay. using the the royal you, you know, if if one if one were to be critical of a draft kit, I think you should still read it, because the more popular something is, the more potential it has to kind of drive markets. Right? We're getting into like the idea of something being chalk. So, you know, I want to read the most popular one by sales, the most popular one by volume, even if I disagree with it, because it might give me an idea of how the market is going to move. Sure. I agree with that theory. If you had unlimited time, which I don't. Yeah, it becomes very, listen, I mean, I know I speak for myself. I do a lot. I'm just, of I'm just, I'm, I'm still giving them a hard time. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do a lot of granular work on my own. So I know I'm 
I like to look inward for my research rather than outward. Something I talk about in my own show, because I don't mind outsourcing work. It's funny you mentioned one of the things I do outsource is saves. You know, I, for all the work I do, my handicapping work. So I'm very focused on starting pitchers, team hitting. I lose you know, a little bit of my specialization, let's say, when it comes to bullpen. So when it is that, you know, I, I go to Greg Jewett or any of the other guys that do the kind of work. No, absolutely. And, and you know, if you, if you, if anyone that knows me well, and probably not a lot of people that listen to this know me well, is that my good friends, I'll roast them. And if, and, and you know, you're a good friend of mine. If I, if I can roast you and you can take it. And that's basically what it is with these boys. And like, I still love them, even though that was sort of a roast, but um, half joking, a little bit, a little bit of seriousness to it, but half joking, at least. Anyways, um, let's go on to let's get onto the show. That what everyone wants to hear about is your um, big Johnny's post four hundred ADP picks. Um, let's start. We're gonna let's go through by position by position. You give me your give me your picks that your um, your post four hundred and your we sorted ADP by um, from December first onwards. We're in the year uh, twenty twenty one of the Lord. And um, we'll go position by position. Oh shit, I forgot. We shouldn't have even started the show. I have to do the housekeeping. John. Yeah, well, can can you cut it in or you want to start over and do it? A- no, no, we can just do it now. But, um, I okay, I'll be quiet. You, this you is do real, this I'm going to mute out. This is, no, no, you got you to, gotta, you gotta, it's, it's with you. It's got to be, it's um, interactive here. Um, it's um, really shouldn't have started technically, but um, the Draft Champions Network needs me to, to ask these questions before we start the show, so. Um, shit, this is a little bit, um, it's a little bit too late. I don't know if the HR is going to be upset or not, but, um, Dude, okay. let's start again. It's only three minutes. Start again. Um, I can go oh, three no, no, no. Okay. So I need to know, are, are you vaccinated? It's a standard question that I ask all my guests. Come on. You know, you got to talk to my lawyer for all these things, man. <laughs> okay. So you're, you're no not criminal gonna, histories, no backgrounds. I don't do any of that for maybe some obvious reasons. So you want to send it to you're going to send it to our HR? That's Mike. Yeah, Curland. send you send it up the ladder. Have their people send it to Mike. That's Mike Curland is our HR. You know that? He's okay, not, good. He's not so on the that... podcast anymore, but he's still HR. He's still like telling me what I can't and can't say. Oh, okay, uh, good. So that paperwork is sure to get lost. But yeah, yeah just, your, uh... so so just you can you can just send your vaccination status to Mike underscore Curland um, on Twitter. <laughs> okay. uh, who is your post four hundred catchers? You need two of them. All right, I want to I want to preface this exercise with one why it's so important just briefly because Zach, i truly believe that understanding the back of the player pool can help shape the decisions that you make early on and, and it really it really is the truth and we're going to after we get through the end of this we're going, i'm going to show you exactly what i mean right as as we determine where the depth is then that'll help you spotlight Maybe not to say scarcity, that's kind of a you know overused term, but just to give you an idea where there may be a surplus or not. So when it comes to catchers, really what we're looking for are plate appearances. So not to cheat, you did say we're setting it from December 1st, draft champions only. Now, the two guys I would be circling are actually going at 386 and 391, just short of 400, but they both have max picks you know, in the mid four fit in the, in the mid four hundreds. So that would be Tucker Barnhart and Francisco Mejia, just because I think they have the best pop at, at bats. I particularly have been going after Barnhart as my third catcher wanting plate appearances, catcher PAs being something that I missed on last year. Zach, I have a history of trying to be a little too cute with catchers. I didn't lock in those PAs. 
And I know catching is not necessarily the most impactful position, but you can't be taking zeros. And I did a bunch of that and it really hurt me. So I am circling Barnhart and Mejia. Barnhart even more so. He looks like he could get the lion's share of plate appearances. Mejia is probably more of a 50-50 split. I think he had 80-something games. But not, if we're going to jump into... Not, right? the, not the Tigers' share? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I mean... I, I just wasn't ready Wait, for this at tell all. Me, tell me, what, tell I, me when you regret agreeing to this. We're past that. How many different? Wait, how many different times <laughs> have you regretted coming on this show so far? Three? Okay, it's three. We're at, we're it was probably three. about the th- probably the FTN stuff. Yeah, the, um, yeah. The vaccination stuff. Yeah, then, that's two. Again, yeah. now there's probably three times. Yeah, so that's that's three. I'm 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 squirming, but I like that, you know, because I like to be kept on my toes. I really I pride myself on my ability to be sharp on my feet. Hey, you've done well but so man, far. You've, done, you've, handled, you've, you've handled here, this. You've handled this well. Yeah, I came here for like a deep analytical baseball discussion, and um, I'm tr- I'm trying my best to pull the wheel. I don't know if you've ever had your car run out of steering fluid, trying to steer the wheel without the fluid. That's what this feels like, you know. I'm entrenched in the suit, but I'm gonna I'm gonna get I'm gonna get us there. Okay, so let's focus post 400 on catchers. You're telling me we need a pair. Okay, I have one, two, three, four. I have four players circled that I think are viable at the catching position past 400. Jeffers, Jonah Heim, Jason Castro, and Jorge Alfaro. Now, none of them are in line for those lion share or tiger shares. Hi-oh, you know, <laughs> of the plate of the plate appearances. But at this point, that's the best we're going to do. And it's also why you don't want to miss out on guys like Barnhart representing the last shot at those plate appearances. Man, there's really not a lot there. Alfaro led the way last year with 92 games. So there isn't a lot of volume. No one hit better than 244. There's not a lot of average. What I'm getting at, Zach, is I think we're going to have to look elsewhere for the advantages. They, none of them have a really great disciplinary basket, though Castro does have a double-digit walk rate. So if we're past volume and we're past discipline, I'm skipping over to the power metrics, and that's where I think we can find a bit of some separation here. Castro, number one for me of that group. I'm looking at Jason Castro, 378x Woba last year, hard hit rates on both sites above 40, 14% barrel, 7% blast, a plus 500 expected Woba on contact. Those, that's as good as you're going to get this late. In the draft, he's on a very good team. There's a great environment there with Houston. And the reason I say that, Zach, is even if Castro is batting nine, eight or nine, let's say, which I'm sure he will be when he's playing, he has a chance of, you know, having some viable bats behind him and getting knocked in. So I think Castro is there. The other one would be Jeffers that I mentioned. And the argument probably resembles the last one. The hard hit rates are all really solid. You know, 14% barrel, 439X Wobacon, nothing else really of sorts. They're 202 ISO. So with those two guys, Zach, the best we can hope for is to run into a couple balls and maybe get hit a couple home runs, you know, in Jefferson Castro, where a lot of other catchers really can't even give you that. And after that, man, just get out of the way. So I want to make sure I have my three or four catchers before this kind of pick 425, let's say. All right, follow-up question for you on this. And you know what, I'm keep, we're keeping it serious here, um, for real. Um, Martin, Martin, Martin Maldonado, now he's going well past 400 as well. And he's projected, they, he's paid, he's projected to be the starter. So why, like I, I get, I understand all those metrics that you just mentioned, but um, since playing time is so important, why would you, why are you sort of gravitating towards Castro and not Maldonado? Well, I, they're, they're, they're both so cheap. Yeah, that, that's a, 
well, it's funny. In actual practice, my, I have paired the two mm. as my as my back end catcher. So I, I probably should have mentioned that, but it's very difficult to justify Maldonado, even with the playing time. 125 games. Zach, he bat 172 with a 573 OPS. That was good for a 63 WRC plus. There are plate appearances that can hurt you. He will walk from time to time, but that's about it. I mean, some of the work it's 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 as bad. It might be the worst hitting profile in all of the major leagues because of the job he does defensively, which, you know, justifies the catching is very specialized, but yikes, uh, 5% barrel, 3% blast hard hit rates in the low 30. It's very difficult to justify any of that. I mean, uh, that yikes. that's pretty much it. I think uh, the strikeout rate at 30%, not that I'd even be that worried. It's just, there's nothing, there's nothing else there. Like the chance of him even walking at the home runs is pretty low. Man, Maldonado, I think I'd rather speculate to go with Maldonado. Right on. All right, so my guys that are um, before pick um, 400, and a lot of mine are just because I feel like you can get um, – these guys are these guys will most likely – I wouldn't say always 100% because I'm in so many traps, but 99% of the time you won't see any of these guys I'm going to mention on my teams. Um, mainly, uh, the, a lot of the reason is for a lot of these players is that you can just find similar value much, much later. Um one guy is Christian Vasquez on the Red Sox. Um, I think he's very like he's going at his ADP is two ten. I think he's very comparable to um, um, to other players that are going closer to the, the three hundred range. And I think those stolen bases are a mirage, and they can disappear like a lot of those Red Sox players. Uh, if you look at like Devers and stuff like that, five stolen bases, five caught stealing for Devers. He fits into that mold. The Red Sox were a weird team with stolen bases. I was looking into that a little bit. Other guy is uh, Alejandro Kirk on the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, pick, pick 245. I know a lot of smart players are in on him. However, um, I've sort of done my own projections thing with, with, with playing time and you got Marino coming up and uh, impending trade, all the uncertainty. He's sort of gimmicky. Like people tend to just like him, but, and I think it's driving up his price. Uh, like he's good. He could hit her, but um, I don't know. I can see a lot of pathways for that to be not a good spend of your resources. Yeah, no, I think you nailed that. I, you know, it's funny. I, I, maybe it's a testament to my growth individually as a player because you're mentioning guys that I have chased already in the past. So last year I chased Kirk thinking that I had a gimmicky catcher that could do me some damage. He really didn't do much of anything last year. Yeah, the, the power potential is important, but until we until we see that we're locked into at least half of the playing time, I, I guess it's possible yeah, I, I can't get with Kirk. Kirk's Kirk's playing time and profile, yeah, sounds like it should be going at least 100 picks later than it is. I think people are a little too infatuated with the team. Also a great pick on Vasquez. Another Vasquez, another guy that's a rake that I stepped on myself. I thought, I don't know, I thought we we're going to get a lot more power, and that ended up being what was kind of fugazi on Vasquez. The bow rate below three, expected Wobacon below 300. I mean, these are just... Bottom fifth percentile numbers, just awful. 0. 0.094 ISO. Yeah, he was Vasco is really bad. That profile not looking, not looking like it's worthy of that draft pick. Yep. Yeah, again with Kirk, I think you're just hoping for a trade essentially because you think Marino is going to be up at some point, and Jason was really good. I know I'm being a dead horse here, but he was really good at the end of last season. So I think yeah. something needs to happen. Like he, 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 he's not like where you're drafting at 245 isn't justified 
how the cards are laid out right now. Things need to happen for that to, to make sense and things could actually get worse as well. So anyways, let's move on. Um, first, let's go to first base. Let's, uh, actually, let's do, let's do first third corner. So like those three players. Sure. Uh, oh, okay. To kind of lump them in. Yeah, we'll lump them together. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what? That, that probably makes a little bit of sense because it is. Man, the, the, cupboards are, the cupboards are bare. You know, and I think, again, that's part of these exercises, right? Just because we're setting out to kind of find players in every position super late that no one's ever heard of doesn't mean it really doesn't mean that we're going to succeed and it's really tough. So first base has got the narrative right now that it is deep. I would agree in redraft leagues. First base is extremely deep, particularly for like 12 team leagues. Very, very deep 15 leagues. I probably also agree if we're talking about starting first baseman, but and when we get deep past 400, it's, it's really, it's really tough. So I got four first basemen circled. I had Carlos Santana, Miguel Cabrera. I mean, talking about mirror images of each other, just lumps. You know, both had negative Mm -hmm. returns as far as dollar values go. Both clearly on the downside. Both still getting a shot, though, right? Because of experience and uh, team environment. Miguel Cabrera right now, I think, is projected to start. Carlos Santana is not. So I think we'd have to give him the nod there. I found I went another route and I think I'm going to go back to Christian Walker who gave us 115 games, 445 PAs. It really wasn't great. The OPS right at 700, which I know is where Zimmerman is getting us ready to pull the the rug out, which I get, but there was a lot of promise there in the past. He's had some shine and a couple things, you know, in the profile that look pretty good. The hard hit rates are still pretty strong. The max EV over 111, dynamic hard hit rate up at 11 and a half. So there is something there. There is something there with Christian Walker, the K minus walk at 15, you know, not terrible. Hoping the walk rate would come up a, a touch XBA at 248, just as I scan through Walker's stuff there. So I think, remember, Zach, right? I mean, you're, you're a very seasoned draft champions player now at this point. It's yeah. not it's, it's opportunity also right now. Walker's healthy or I believe he's healthy and he's projected to hit fifth or sixth in that lineup. That might be the best piece of real estate that we can find for a first baseman. Even if you're not buying some of the stats I threw and the guy, I would say, if you're, if you are into kind of stats and you're looking, let's call it the Jason Castro argument that I laid out before it's probably clearly Darren Ruff is probably the guy hmm. you'd be looking for. The problem here is, the Giants, Zach, have kind of vaulted themselves beyond the Rays and the Rockies when it comes to this wonky usage. Because if Ruff had a solid shot at playing time, his metrics pop off the page. I don't even, I mean, it was, it's very weird um, to have this kind of strength in a profile really in the forgotten range. I mean, dude, 900 OPS really just, struck, I mean, 144 WRC plus 904 OPS should say it all. 376 expected Woba. I mean, just any, his hard hit rates on both stat uh, accounting on both sides is 54. I mean, we're talking about, this is the top fifth percentile. His ex-con at 482, bow rate at 14, home run for fly ball, 29%, 20 plus percent dynamic hard hit rate. The problem with rough is, the, the volume is not really there. And not only that, I don't know if you've tried to track the Giants, whether it be handicapping or DFS, Zach, it's very, very difficult because even in games he may start, he might not finish. And you see that in the game log where he has a lot of games where he only has two plate appearances, where he's been replaced or one plate appearance, where he's coming in as a pinch hitter. 
So I, I don't know where what your take is, right? I'm trying to give people an idea of the process. So I think oh, opportunity, right? It's probably Walker. It maybe maybe opportunity is actually Cabrera. They've shown they never go away from him. So if it's purely opportunity, you go Cabrera. If it's a mixture of opportunity and skill, I would go Walker. And if you were just looking for the best profile, it's probably rough. Dude, uh, I, I wanted you to do that post 400 because I don't really want to give away my guys, per se. Um, um, it's not my style, <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. Come you know, I, know you, I know you don't care. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I'm happy to give away the guys I don't want. But, um, man, you nailed it. I'll, 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 if it comes up, I'll tell you. Like, I think you, you fucking nailed that. Like, the rough pick, I, he was not a guy that I was really on to before. But I think you did, like, what you're saying makes a lot of sense in terms of how the Giants uh, take care of their things. And, and Christian Walker, man, like, and Miggy. Dude, I don't love either of those guys, but in a draft champions leagues, like I've learned um, from my mistakes and those guys are just sitting there staring, staring me in the face at a certain point in the draft. And yeah, I'll snatch them up for sure. Like it's, it's, it's found money, right? Yeah, dude, I have, you, I'm surprised how late way. some of those guys have gone. Like some, like sometimes I've seen Walker go in the 300s, but sometimes he's sitting there like at the end of the 400s and I'm like, okay. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's healthy and he's projected to play and you have the shine. I'd rather go that route now, Zach, the, all the guys that we mentioned, than chasing the 21-year-old with the 3% chance to make the big leagues. I, I mean, it's funny, you know, listen, let, let me take a second to tip my hat to you and your accomplishments. You know, yeah, you joked around tongue-in-cheek with the overall, but it's not something anybody should be scoffing at. I know I'm not. I'm extremely jealous, but very proud of you. I also know what's been going on behind the scenes. You and I have been working together as we work to improve. And man, if people thought we were fish coming into these draft rooms now, that ship has sailed. And that's a part of it, man, focusing on... I don't want to say the here and the now, but once you go through these leagues, man, it's a war of attrition. And in my first year, Zach, I think I was a victim of, I don't know, victim of my own success, I guess. I only played in a couple of leagues, but I came in first and I, I won a league and we thought, not to say it was easy, but I thought like, oh, this makes sense. I'm a really smart guy and I'm into, I know my stuff. I'm doing an, uh, uh, you know, um, analysis and here I am winning like I should. And I didn't continue to progress. And last year I got my teeth knocked in. I, dude, I wear these losses very proudly. I'm a very successful professional handicapper and very successful trader. So there's lots of losses in these things. And until you can learn to accept them and not say brag about them, but fully put them, you know, on display transparently, I don't think you can reach that level. So I don't mind telling you how bad I was last year, but now I've made the correction back to the way that I just broke it down. I want to basket everything. We're going to look at skills. We're going to look at opportunity. We're going to look at the combinations of the two where the Venn diagram kind of overlaps. So, you know, I appreciate, I appreciate the good words, but man, I got to keep up with people like you and Rob, you know, our little misfit click is over here knocking down overalls, man. We're not really a joke anymore. Dude. Like um, I had a good year last year, but not in the draft champions. Like I'll admit it. Like I, I did poorly. Like I cashed in a couple, but in general, um, the draft champions format, I think was the, the one format I lost money in. And um, I've been examining it in detail. And I know, like, I can see where I went wrong last year. And I, even though I made strides last year, um, I think there's a lot of room for improvement. Saves being one of them. Um, just, on a, just on a side note, like, I didn't target saves until round nine in any of these draft champions leagues because, you know what, I think I just got cocky. I'm like, oh, I'll find saves later. Guess what? It doesn't happen. Um, and, um, there's a number of different things and it's just being, being disciplined in these draft champions. You're like, you want to get the, the shiny toys, like the Kalenics and the Julio Rodriguez, but I think discipline in these draft champions format, 
which is still something I, I, I fail to do at times, even this year, but I think it's just very important. Anyways, um, I, I, those, those picks you had, I think you, you fucking nailed the corners. Um, my, and you know what, conversely, because you said there was, it was slim pickings um, after 400. It's slim pickings before 400 in it for the corners. And I found it very difficult to find, especially a first baseman. I'm looking down the list of uh, the first baseman and I said, you know what, I don't really want to cross any of these players off your list and third base because they all, like everyone has value at some point. And um, I think, I think those are scarce. I think they are scarce commodities. I think first base is deep with to a point, but I think once you get to like the ADP 230 range, it's just like dead, You're like, especially with platoons. Um, so I think getting two first basemen before pick 230 is important. I don't think getting a first baseman like in the first five or six rounds is so important, but I think you right. want those two good ones in these draft champions leagues in DCs, right? Um, in like a El Fab League, I wouldn't be so so careful. But anyways, my my pick is Ryan Mountcastle, I pick 103. And not to say just because this was the hardest one for me to, to find because not that I, I, and I have a share of them just because of what else you can get around there and and um, I'd just much rather wait maybe a round or two for the other guys that I think that I find are similar, but he does have the position eligibility. Honestly, he's like the one guy that sort of doesn't belong on this crossout list, but if I had to pick a first baseman, it would probably be him just because of the other guys around there. Um, as for the third base and corner, obvious pick is Mondesi at third base. Want nothing to do with him. Don't need to go into detail there. Um, and then my middle infield pick is O'Neill Cruz and um, he's ADP 235. And I don't know. I, 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 I see there's, He's a prospect just like other uh, other prospects. I see what happened with Jose Barrero in 2020 and 2021. Um, I made that, maybe it's just a personal bias and I made that mistake last year and he wasn't up until like what, July? Like there's no guaranteed O'Neill Cruz comes up right away. There's no guarantee his stolen bases are, um, there's no guarantee they translate. Um, he He's on a bad team. Those counting stats might be there. There's a lot of risk there. Um, in that profile for, for him to be going really head and shoulders above all the other prospects when like I could see it if like, you know, like this guy was locked in for like 20 stolen bases, but don't know if he is, he's six foot seven. Like, I don't know. Uh, anyways, those, those are my picks for avoids. Um, not going to say I won't have an O'Neill Cruz, but I don't think I'll be, uh, I don't think I'll be taking him before, like above his ADP. Yeah. Sure. I actually have a share that I, that I, probably drafted about a month ago, but yeah, that price just continues to move and move and move and move. And I, I'm pretty much, I think I'm out at the cost here because it keeps moving without the promise. I thought because it gave him a little bit of run that he would start the year with the big club. There's not a lot there threatening him. I know Rasta resource has him down as a platoon bat. I'm not sure if I'm buying that. Chavis has just been, you know, those guys behind him have been terrible. They got a lot of guys there, but he's, he's so much better than that. Okay. The one ball that he hit that was 118 miles an hour. I saw it. I watched it. Fucking crushed it. It was a single. Um, but obviously he has such, in, uh, his, also his home runs, such easy power. The home run that he hit last year in the, in the majors, man, like he reached down and like he got it. And like, that's not a home run off a lot of that. So he just, he looks really good. Um, it's just like, is he like, does he have that like jazz chism profile um, um, in him? So, which leads me to my second baseman, Jazz Chisholm. Um, so the thing with him is um, he's going so early because stolen bases are scarce. That's it. Um, that's, that's the only reason. Like he's a batting average risk and um, he's a big batting average risk. And I'm not, a, I'm not a slave to the steamer projections. In fact, like I, I barely use them at times, but 
he's like a three dollar player on Steam, and um, like take it for take that for what it's worth. Along with the fact that like he was injured like three times last year, like he's going down the path of like a Mondesi Buxton type guy, like Kendall Marte. Like all like I don't know if you want to group Kendall Marte in there. Probably that's unfair, but man, like I think he was like on the IL three different times. Batting his batting average was like inflated in the first part. Um, I don't know. Like I think like um, that early man. That's that's early. I don't know. Like as much as as much as I know that stolen bases are important, like. That's something that can go bust. That's that could go bust. And like, like saying Chisholm and O'Neill, um, you can we can re-listen to this in September, and I could look like an idiot. And um, I know there's that chance, but um, I think those those two guys, like, I might I might have a share or two of them. They're the, they're the guys I might have want one or two shares of, just because I'm in so just because I'm in so many leagues. But if I was playing in a small amount of leagues, I definitely would not have them. Yeah, well, I'm with you on Jazz. I actually had Jeff Zimmerman on Cork Stats maybe a month or two ago. Yeah, it's probably maybe a month ago. And we debated Baez versus Chisholm. I, I, I agree with him so far out on Chisholm at the price. There's some really some, – some glaring flaws in the profile there. You know, he yeah, he's super exciting and hits the ball hard when he does. Like, I get that. But we got to justify this that price, 29% K – not great, 30% whiff. The ground ball rate is too high at 49%. Just there's there's, there's flaws. 304 X Woba. It's just not for at that price. I mean, that's almost like totally trying to sell out for, for steals. And like you mentioned, the batting average with the low on base floor that we've seen because the walk rate is low. Yeah, I'm not really I'm not really high on on uh on Chisholm. He's somebody I've avoided as well. Yeah, just just taking you into the real world of a real draft. Like you're taking Jazz Chisholm in round six. Which is like on, on the higher end of the range, like at the end of round six. Um, why don't you just take somebody that's a sure bet, a sure five category bat in the fifth round, and just like get a pitcher in the sixth instead of a pitcher in the fifth? Like the difference between your pitchers in the fifth and sixth round is worth it in terms of getting that better, more reliable bat in the fifth. If that, if it's, if I'm just using a pitcher, pitcher, I guess, shortstop or second base trade off, but there's other trade offs I understand. But um, yeah, it's just like you're paying almost as much for a lot of risk. Yeah. It's, it's, too, it's way too much for me. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, they're still, they're still really good pitchers going around there. You know, like I could put a couple of names to the guys you're talking about. You're talking about Trevor Rogers, you know, that's who you're taking jazz Chisholm over, you know, so you my point or Frankie Montas, you Darvish, you know, guys that still have a legit back end SP one potential there for, like you said, almost one category, and to, even to get steals with a bad batting average just isn't great. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Off him. I'm off. Chester. And you know what? You know what I've done, and you probably realized you didn't want to interrupt me, but I've sort of shifted from the corners to the middles just because. And the reason I did that was because I was talking about Mondesi, then I went to the middles because I assumed I sort of had it in my head that Mondesi was a middle. So I'll just finish off my corners and middles, and then you can go to your middles after this. So um, I think I did all the middles. Um, I had Jazz O'Neill and. Um, and then I had one, and then I still need a corner in the middle, which are Nicky Lopez. Um, just that profile is going to cut your legs off in so many places. And um, just, just for the stolen bases and the maybe batting average. No, no thanks. Like that's like a clear, like avoid terrible pick. I'll never, I'll never draft Nicky Lopez. Um, uh, and then my other corner is Justin Turner, just because like, yeah, like where he's going, he's going to pick 170. Um, no, not, not, not for me. Um, I was wrong last year, but I'll more than happily be wrong again on him this year in terms of his playing time and health. So 
that's my corner middle. You, um, I think you're up for your, um, you're up on your uh, second base. Uh, well, you did, in I did, I did first and you were, you were congratulating me before I actually got to third. I, I, oh, I tried, shit. I can't dude. I came with a full roster. I came with a full draft plan beyond the 400 pick dude you know my motto if if someone is going to do i'm going to overdo that's always been my thing can we just do a couple third baseman really quick um, yeah, no, go ahead favorite, i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm favorite. sorry i'm gonna i'm gonna shut up now so you got your third base and you've got your whole middle infield to talk yeah, about my, I'll, be, I'll be quiet you can just go nuts here no i want you to jump in whenever you want man okay. so i'm i this is a player i've drafted a ton of that i'm i'm out on but if we're talking about opportunity right we're drawing up the opportunity argument then the answer at third base is Carter Keboom for the Nets. Um, it's really bad. He had a negative return last year, 619 OPS, 68 WRC plus, just awful. 49% ground ball, 275 Woba, 4% barrel, just, just awful. All the way across the board, 309 WobaCon, really didn't do anything. That has not happened yet. But the market hasn't pulled up the price, so I think he's going to get a look on opening day. And if he's good at all, he could stick. So Kiboom has to be somebody that we look at. Does there's your opportunity? If we're looking at purely at profile, I think the answer is JD Davis. We've seen very high average from him throughout his career. He has been limited as far as opportunities, but man, even in the little, you know, a little bit last year, he only played 73 games. You got what you thought you might get. A 380 OBP, a lot too many strikeouts, but you're getting walks and he really hits the ball. Hard 42.5% hard hit rate on fan graphs and stat cast. Just in case anyone is new and you're wondering what the difference is, fan graphs uses a person, everybody with baseball information solutions, and stat cast uses a raw 95 mile an hour metric. 482 Wobacon, this is JD Davis, 450 expected. So all that stuff is validated. 112 max EV. You know, he, he is a power hitter. But even with a universal DH, I don't know if the Mets have a spot for Davis. So opportunity is key, boom. Talent is probably Davis. Where I have the overlap, Zach, and the player I've been taking because I've been trying to play that middle ground has actually been Santiago Espinal on the Blue Jays. He started getting run. And I think, again, people fall maybe a bit too much in love with all the power metrics and the power stats, which, of course, I love. I'm here quoting them. But there are other ways to produce in fantasy baseball. He has an elite elite disciplinary and contact profile elite you know when you have a 3.3 percent k minus walk 12 percent k nine percent walk that's phenomenal he doesn't chase he has a 92 percent z con with a seven percent swinging strike weight 15 percent whiff rate i mean dude those numbers are like they're as good as it gets it's very hard to ask for anything else and you could get some a little bit of speed there and he's on a good offense so maybe there's even a couple runs right if he's bad he's probably clearly batting ninth for your blue jays because the power tool is not there but again at this point in the draft it isn't not, not everyone has to do that but if we're talking high average because of and a high obp because of a very good disciplinary metrics we know he can run and he's hitting right i mean gosh get this guy on base in front of you know, Bo Bichette and George Springer, good things are probably going to happen. So that's where I'm ending up at third base. Um, middle, man, again, middle is really, really tough. So uh, I, I think that's okay, right? And I think what people should be taking from this exercise is 
I am getting my backup middle infielders earlier than normal this year, Zach. I used to wait on people. It's funny. You actually mentioned the player. It was Nicky Lopez. I have Nicky Lopez has been one of my highest owned players for the past three years or whatever, since I started playing draft champions, because he played every day. You might get a couple steals and he was second and short eligible. So he just checked enough boxes. I think what we got last year was totally the ceiling. I'm not chasing that at all. Gosh, it gets really tough. I sound like I'm kind of delaying here because it, it is really tough. I mean, you're looking at Jerickson Profar, Runid Odor, or Dylan Moore. Gosh, the tools here, just terrible. Almost everywhere. I mean, none of them really hit for power. Odor, when he eventually runs into it, I guess he hits it hard. The max EV is there, but no one does it consistently enough. I... No, I was a victim of Dylan Moore. I chased some of that last year. We knew there was a, a batting average floor. I think we saw exactly that. 181 last year, just terrible. But he did steal 21 bags. I think that would probably be enough to do it. I guess if we're looking for opportunity, the answer is Odor. He's probably going to play, I don't want to say every day, but probably nearly every day for Baltimore. They did bring him in. So I, I guess the answer there is either Odor or Moore depending how you feel. Gosh, shortstop, ugly is as ugly does, man. It is brutal. It is brutal out here. And the shortstop scene, a player I had been drafting along with Nicky Lopez, and now I think he's on the outside looking in. That's Nico Goodrum. I thought we could get some average, some runs and some steals. Detroit is now on the come up. I'm not even sure there's a place for him right now outside of being maybe like a rotational piece. So Goodrum, even though I have him circled, he's very hard to back. If we're looking at opportunity, gosh, uh, I'm going to give you one that I think the opportunity, two that I think the opportunity is certainly there. Elvis Andrews, Nick Ahmed, I think they're both going to play every day. Andrews, I guess, has the better piece of real estate because he should be at the top of the Oakland lineup, which is just terrible oh gosh Zach get ready to bet that win total under dude it's really bad that is one of the worst lineups anywhere I guess they haven't officially parted ways with Matt Olson just yet but once they do Andrews is probably looking at batting first or second so I think that just might be enough to justify the draft pick here where I've had to turn check it out that I'm curious to your take on shortstops because there are two pairs here that I'm into I'm not into any one of the four pieces, right? Two pairs, four pieces. Mm -hmm. I'm not into either any of the individual pieces, but I feel deep within my heart that one of these pairs is a winner. The problem with pairs, Zach, is they take two draft picks. A lot of these guys are going next to each other, so it's almost hard to not take them boom, boom, back to back, and that's very difficult because now you're talking about, you know, two backup middle infielders. Cincinnati Mm -hmm. Reds, you mentioned Barrero. But Kyle Farmer got the run, dude, clearly. 147 games, hard to argue with, with the load. The other one is Philadelphia. Didi Gregorius has, has pretty much been forgotten in on draft boards. And his pairing, Bryson Stott, man, lot of stuff to like with Bryson Stott, touted prospect for the Phillies. And this is really going to go off the rails because I could sit here and read your numbers for an hour. But I brought a little bit of subjective analysis, too. Bryson Stott is like best friends with Bryce Harper. They vacation together. And if you follow Bryce Harper on Twitter, he was just posting pictures of them on vacation. I That and 275 will get you on the bus here. 
in case you're wondering, the bus costs 275 in New York City. Oh. But, 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 the big shaking butt is, man, there's something there. Didi has not performed. And Stott has been really, really good. I don't know if you followed this guy at all. Uh, he has not been around a long time. He's kind of a youngster. He's 24, but he's only he only started playing in 2019. He has yet to post a WRC plus below 130. So we're talking power. We're talking speed. He had 16 steal, 16 homers and 10 steals. He hit 300. He's the future for Philly in that in, on that middle infield. But again, man, I mentioned the bus fare. We don't know. You know, Didi Gregorius is still under contract for another year. Bryson Stott has all the makings of a bust, right? He has all the makings of a draft champions bust pick. All the shininess, pictures with their shirts off of Bryce Harper, but he might not get a single at-bat because Didi's in front of him, who has struggled at times and missed some time as well, but I feel if Didi's healthy, he's probably going to get um, the looks. So I'm more curious about the two pairings that I mentioned. I'm really curious to your take because I know your boy is Barrero. So I'm wondering if you're going back to that well, if you think you have to pair him with Farmer, and if you have, gave Stott any attention. Okay, so my, my take on this is, um, and I'll give you a third pairing that's sort of off the um, uh, out of left field. So the, um, the uh, Barrero-Farmer pairing, I like because um, you can get Barrero around pick 400. Sometimes people are getting him or going earlier, and I think like it's a nice, it's a nice backup plan because they could also put him in the outfield as well. If, if farmer makes a team and farmer can, you can get farmer around pick 500 or later, probably. So um, his ADP is 508. Um, and that, that could even be dropping. So that's, that, that makes a lot of sense. I don't even mind spending two roster spots in the draft champions on that. That's fine. Um, for the Staunton and DD thing, I don't know if I like the pairing, like um, depends on my roster construction. If I need, if I have, if I'm pretty solid, I don't mind going Stott. But if I need, like, just some safe at bats, I'll go DD. And you mentioned Stott was um, his buddies with Bryce Harper. I'm trying to um, find that on Instagram. Sure, it was pictures. Um, is he, <laughs> that on Instagram? I think no, I, I think it's Twitter. I think Bryce Harper is on Twitter. Oh, oh Bryce Harper on Twitter. He probably yeah. I think Bryce Harper is on Twitter. He probably posted on Instagram pictures. too. Um, so, but the thing is, like, okay, they're buddies. Bryce Harper three. Okay, there it is. Um, no, it's, um, I don't see any Bryce and Stott shirtless picks here. Are you going to be disappointed that their wife? shirts on? Yeah, no, his shirts is on. Oh, their shirts are on on Twitter. Well, I'm not sure. I just threw in shirtless. I was trying to go with the flow here, where we're keeping each other off off keel. But then yeah. you kind of stuck it. I got I got cold on it, and I didn't want you to be disappointed if you didn't get to see some chiseled abs. But I know for I'm on, fact- I'm on Bryce Harper's Instagram right now. It's all fucking pictures of him and his wife. Gross. Um, all right. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but the but the counterpoint to that, the counterpoint to um, Bryce and Stott's chiseled abs uh, with Bryce Harper is um, Didi Gregorius has a bit long history with. Um, with um, Joe Girardi. And I don't know how chiseled their abs are, but um, that's another factor to consider. So I'm, I'm to pair those guys is tough. Like to use two picks. Okay, hold on, hold so- on. Check it out, check it out. I want to yeah. clear, I'm going to verify this because I really, you know, my, my, it's very important to me that I'm accurate. I, if you put in Bryce Harper Stott into Twitter, into the search bar, the very yeah. first thing that comes up will be from Suspendus Family Barbecue. Here, I'm reading this word for word. Philly's future game rep and infield prospect, Bryson Stott, grew up with Bryce Harper in Vegas. The two were roommates in spring training this year. We had to ask, how is Bryce's roommate? And Stott told the true story, if you want, you can see that video. But yeah, so they're, they grew up together, they've roomed together, and they vacationed together. That's what I was getting at. It's not, it's beyond like, uh, 
Gosh, it's beyond like a nothing relationship. It he's, actually reminds me of- on the left-hand side there? It remi- yeah, I believe so. It reminds me of um, Rob Cano and Melky Cabrera when they were with the Yankees. You know, you kind of, sometimes you get, like people that I knew in New York City used to say they'd see them rolling around together. You know, so sometimes you do get those relationships and you are talking about a player like Bryce Harper, who is an MVP, you know, perennial MVP candidate, who if anybody was going to be able to get their way, it would be him. I'm just trying to add in bits, you know, weights on the triple beam balance to give everybody an idea when they're making their decisions. I tend to Your like roommates. Stott, but again, I'm worried, you know. Yeah, where, where would you take Stott, though? Like, where do you think? It, he, he's a tough guy. He's a tough one to, to draft. It's very difficult. I can tell you where I am. I'm looking to see if I have him in this draft. No. I'm on the clock in one of these drafts right now, and I, I'm at pick four with something, and um, don't really need a shortstop. So uh, I'm looking at him, though, but it's too early. I mean, I think the potential – it's it's definitely a ceiling pick, but I want to, again, preface the term ceiling pick in draft champions – you almost can equate with potential zero. Like that's almost, they almost go hand in hand, right? The person chasing ceiling is risking zeros. And that's part of it. It's very hard to put a price on Stott. Uh, in particular now as he's going, I'm looking at the most recent one I was in. He went in the 20th round and I am not ready to go there. I would rather have Miguel Rojas Who's going after him? Why, Zach? Because he's going to play every day. He's got a good piece of real estate in the top third or half of the lineup, and he's shown to run a little bit. So as these prices begin to move in the offseason, I'm probably going to be more off stock than I'd like to be because I like trying new things also. I'm just trying to get away from taking zeros in this format. Yeah, it's, I'm really tempted to, but I think that the smart move is not to take him. So another thing, just to go, go along with what you were saying is, in 2020, I believe, I was fooled by a very similar narrative on the Phillies with Bryce Harper. And he had, he had a quote before the season started. He said that if Spencer Howard wasn't up within a week, we've got a serious issue. Or I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And um, I believe he was up. Not within the not within that time frame, but like shortly thereafter. But he just busted. So like Harper essentially said that Spencer Howard was like the greatest thing since, since sliced bread, and um, he wasn't. So no, he um, was not. <laughs> so, but the fact is, you see a lot of pictures. Yeah, no, it's not not it's not nothing. Um, I, I I'm not naive enough to to think of nothing. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. Um, uh, do you have a, are we um, are you still on your middle? Yeah, no, I think I think that's all of the infield. And uh, again, I hope I hope the takeaway for people from this is if you like, see, and I think I I think any of those pairs are are viable. Wait, who was the third pair? Didn't you say you got a third pair? Oh yeah, sorry. Um, I'm just um, I'm, yeah. Who's the third pair? My third pair is um, includes a player that does not have middle infield eligibility yet, but the third pair would be Ramon Urias on the Baltimore Orioles and Jorge Mateo. Um, oh, they, Mateo. They are probably going to cost you equal to um, your Stoughton DD co- combo, maybe even a little bit more, but um, Ramon Urias is a solid hitter, like, um, and um Mateo is the type of guy you want in these DC leagues because he gives you those stolen bases. And um, sometimes you just can't catch up in any categories except for stolen bases near the end of the year. And you need to plug in these, um, your Mateos, your Castros, your all these other, all these other fucking whatever you want to call them. But um, so they become yeah. valuable. They, they, these guys become valuable in these draft champions leagues. Isn't that something, something that I learned last year? 
Yeah, that that that's for sure. Uh, you know, I mentioned it before. It's just it's part of it. It is part is stolen bases are part of the calculus. When I was speaking about second base, you know, if you if you felt that desperate, Dylan Moore, you know, could be that kind of guy, especially if he got a little bit of sustained run, let's say through an injury, or if he actually started playing well. Yeah, listen, he's the kind of guy who could r- rattle off a bunch of stolen bases and move you off the standings. But something you and I have spoke about really ad nauseum for the years is I think that's why you want to get your steals with balance. You actually mentioned before, we were talking about jazz. You want to get your steals with as much balance as possible so you mm-hmm. don't find yourself in these situations. Because the more pick is just, it's, it's hard to justify. Because even if he gets it, you don't want this profile on your lineup, in your lineup at all, because he could drag you down while you're hoping he picks you up. So you don't want that net neutral. No, absolutely not. Yeah. So I'm, I'm done with my middle infield. I was curious. I was curious with yours. So what I wanted to get at is if you're taking the uh, shortstop really early in a draft champions, and I think these make for a really good backup plan, you know, so if you took Tatis in the first round, you're expecting to play him every single day without looking at that. So, Hey, you could take a risk on farmer and Barrero. You pair them together, you know, at pick four something like you said, or um, the, the other pair with uh, gosh, how did I lose the other pair? Um, Didi and Stott. right. Didi and Stott derp, derp. right. The, with the Phillies where that one might even be a little, a little better because I think, I think at least I hate to use the word guarantee, but I feel I truly feel with Didi and Stott, you're getting a full year of at bats. Because with Didi in a way, I think he could block Stott, but I think with Didi down, Stott is up and he's the man that they're going to be looking to turn to. So it's not even so much an Stott becomes less of an upside chase when you pair him with Didi. But like I said, it's hard to take the two of them unless you've drafting a shortstop all the way up front. So I'm just kind of trying to draw like, you know, the, the war strategy out, how these pieces can fit. You just can't, I don't want to sound like I'm just recommending these things in a vacuum because I think they can get you in trouble if deployed improperly. So um, outfield. Oh, outfield is where outfield is where you can live beyond pick 400. And I think, I'm, I'm so glad I mentioned it early because my main takeaway from this exercise, Zach, and I do this every year, but and the, the, out, the output, the conclusion, I should say, is different every year because the player pool changes as does the market price. This year, my determination is I, I, I'm having a very hard time taking outfielders in, in early on. And, and it's making me even think about adapting my KDS approach where, listen, I'd love me some Kyle Tucker and Bryce Harper and guys like that. But, man, when, when you see all the viable outfielders compared to some of the scarcity that you can run into in other positions, I, I, I think I'm going to have to start pushing back my outfield. I'll just rattle off a few. I honestly – I ran out of I ran out of space. I was only looking to get you five. I think I stopped at six, and I could think of another few off the top of my head. So – um Man, gosh, Dominic Smith is a viable hitter. Again, that Met playing uh, playing time carousel is still spinning. Dominic Smith feels like a trade candidate, and I feel like if you grab him now, if he goes somewhere where he's playing all the time, he's jumping 100 picks automatically. So that's something you have to keep in mind. Jock Peterson, I think, is a viable play. He's floating around out there. Tyrone Taylor from Milwaukee. There's some, there's some nice parts of the profile there. There's a power speed potential with maybe an average that might not kill you with, you know, not 
killer disciplinary metrics, without a killer batted ball profile. So Taylor, if the UDH hits Milwaukee, uh, you and I are involved in that Twitter thread. I quoted uh, Foolish Baseball, who made a good point about the lack of depth in offense if we get the UDH. But I think Tyrone Taylor is a player who could step into full-time plate appearances there. Um, I've always liked Trevor Larnack for the Twins. He played when he was healthy. He just got hurt. I don't think they've gotten away from him whatsoever. Larnack, I think, is forgotten. He should get run on a Twins team that, you know, they have a lot of injury risks, something you and I have spoke about as well, Zach. So I'm circling Larnack. I, I like Yadiel Hernandez on the Nats. He played himself into a middle-of-the-lineup role. The profile is not perfect. It's, it's far from it. And I think people saw some power that I'm not sure is necessarily necessarily repeatable when we look at all the stats, you know, he had a 301 ex-WOBA, hard hit rates below 39, bow rate in the single digits, 348 expected WOBA on contact, a 106 max EV. That's Yadiel Hernandez. That's not great, but if he's going to play in the middle of a lineup, you want that. Um, another guy I circled, I want to tip my hat to, our buddy Matt Williams, who was talking about Harold Ramirez on the Cubs. He didn't have a ton of, of run last year, Zach, but when he played, he was really good. Only 99 games, but he hit 268, had seven homers and three steals. I mean, yo, you could double, you know, you double O's through a season. If you can get 15 and six or something like that, with an average that won't kill you, you got to like that as well. The Cubs right now are not very good. He's not really competing for playing time. So right there, that's actually six. There's actually six guys that could theoretically be in opening day lineups. And all of them could be hitting sixth or earlier. So that's a lot of boxes checked. You know, Tyrone Taylor, especially I'm looking at these, my heat maps, he, there's, there's something going on there, man. 210 ISO, really good, 778 OPS. And he's very good with contact, 90% in-zone contact rate, pulls the ball a ton. And so when he gets it, he gets it good. So, you know, I think outfield is the place where we want to be careful stressing early. Maybe I made the mistake with Tucker and Harper. I think it's okay to anchor a five outfielder team, Zach, with a superstar like that. But let's say I, uh, even if you were to take him early, I, I probably want to, back off that position but i do want to stick with the depth position where maybe i'm thinking twice about my second third or fourth outfielders because there's so much to be found in the back that's an excellent point that's an excellent point um so do you have any did you list off all of your outfielders or no there's one should i should i just do it should I just rip it? You know what? Let's yeah, reward. Yeah, just, rip, just rip it. I'm going to rip. I'm, I'm going to rip mine after yours. I'm I'm going to give you my my deepest. I've mentioned this to you in in the DM, and I think every analyst has to have a hail mary choice for that. You know the the said Mullins play, right? The the guy that we took forgotten in a forgotten spot after you know the 25th round that we think could just go off and be the winner for us. And generally, I think these hunts people start with bad teams because we all know about everybody in the good teams. So I'm going over to Pittsburgh and I'm looking at Anthony Alford. Okay. Anthony Alford, the season stats, they, they were not great. He only bat two. He only bat two thirty three ninety three WRC plus, but you got to add a little bit of context. When you get into this point of the draft, he was awful to start the year. They had said they worried that he was injured, and then it turned out that he was. 
Zach, right? So I'm trying to bring up the game log, right? He started right off the bat in April. He got through, I think, like the end of April. Then he was out until August. But upon his return in August, this is Anthony Alford, okay? He was really good, man. 341 Woba, 477 Slug. So he had a plus 800 OPS, 341 Woba, 114 WRC+. plus. He hit five homers and stole four bases in the second half. Man, I that's that's it. 38 games. I mean, he was excellent. We keep this guy healthy. I hate the pro rating argument, but it's kind of the best we could do as far as, you know, expectations where you could just extrapolate the best we've seen, right? I know this is a Hail Mary pick, but Alfred is forgotten on draft boards. So if we're multiplying by four with those 38 games, man – you were talking about a guy who could get you, you know, 18 and 18, 20 and 18. And if he hits the 260 we've seen, imagine getting 265, 18 and 18 at the very end of your draft. You're talking about a guy, Zach, who Alfred would have to be in your lineup pretty much the entire year. Um, when you say 18, 18, are you talking home runs Homers steals? and steals. I thought, you were, talk- and steals. I- I thought you were talking st- steals. <laughs> No, no, I was talking. I thought you were talking about steals and, and caught steals. Dude, I thought you were going to bust my balls and say I think you thought I was talking about ribbies and runs. No, no, I'm busting, I'm busting your balls. I'm, I am busting your balls, and I'm asking you if you're talking uh, about steals and caught stealing. Oh, uh, well, extrapolate those caught steals. Yeah, we 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 saw that, but I think. Hold on, I think if you extrapolate his caught stealing, he's fucking not stealing any bases at all. <laughs> because if you you can't have a guy getting caught twenty times and stealing twenty bases. Well, I think that was the. I think that was the outlier in his in his career. We we have seen we have seen lots of we've seen lots of speed in the past. So I I don't want to I don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater because he he you're right his success rate was not good it was not good last year. Oh no yeah not last year I think he was one of the worst in the major leagues last year in stolen bases. For right but in the, his track record has was not is not always that that bad. Funny there isn't even a. When I hear oh, right. when I hear Alfred and I hear like Dark Knight, like it makes me think. You know what it makes me think of? The Butler. Bad baseball players. Oh, I don't know. You said I thought you were going to Alfred. And yeah, Alfred. The Dark Alfred, Knight. like Anthony Alfred, like Alfred, like the Butler. Yeah, and yeah. the Dark Knight, Matt Harvey, like lump them all together. Bad baseball players. Well, yeah. I mean, again, um, you know, this should be less about less about me pushing Alfred up boards as it is. Looking for you know a, a, a legitimate spot. No, I'm busting for, your balls. I think he's yeah, great. yeah. I, I think he's great where he's going. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. Like in, uh, I, I mean, that, 40. That's I, the I, best I, that we could do. No, that's yeah, the best I, that we could do. Yeah, I, know, I, I agree. I think I've, I've taken him a couple times. Um, I've not, nothing wrong with that pick for sure. Um, Swaggerty is a guy that people I've seen people take, but uh, I don't know about him. I think I'd rather have Alfred than, than Swaggerty. Swaggerty. That's another good one. You're digging. We're digging deep there. I'd rather have Alfred than, than Swaggerty. Um, if I, had to pay, if I had to pick. Yeah, he's got some speed in his in his game log also. I've heard some smart guys talk about Swaggerty, and I've, heard, I've yeah. seen some smart guys draft Swaggerty in these drafts in late, late rounds. And um, I don't know. Um, like, Swaggerty is like a guy that could be like in the Benintendi. Like, he reminds me like of a prospect, the prospect path that Jonathan India took because he was a top prospect. I think he was like the 11th guy taken in that draft. Everyone else has made the major leagues by now. I think you had I forget who was in that draft but was was that the, the Bregman draft maybe not um anyways they've all made the major leagues he's the, he's like the next guy to do it but he sort of had some prospect fatigue um 
people stopped like remember Jonathan India was like a top pick. People stopped paying attention. All of a sudden, bang, he was amazing last year. Yeah, that's something that could like ba- this is based on nothing, but like what went on. I'm saying something based on nothing, but I'm saying like like that could happen, but it looks unlikely. No, I, I actually like that. I like that pick. I think he correlates to Alfred. And I think that in itself is a viable strategy when we're at the back of these drafts. Um, I want to just one thing on Swaggerty that I, I made sure to check. He is on the 40 man roster, something that I've drawn up myself, Zach, as a let's call it an objective parameter for draft right. champions. No, this year. Totally good. Right. I'm totally not good. drafting anybody, not on the 40 man. He's on the 40 man. So, and there, what's the comp- the competition in front of him? It's, I wouldn't quite call it stout, right? He's looking up at Ben Gamble. He's looking up at um, Michael Chavis. He's looking up at Greg Allen. I mean, those guys really have not shown to be anything more than, Really below average. Pirates are shit. Yeah. Kind of replacement players. Sure. Well, yeah, but I, I think, well, I think where I was getting at, Zach, is I, I think, I, I understand what you're saying. And I think anyone that listens to you probably, probably knows what you're saying. But I don't think you should be selling short the veracity of your argument because we're, it doesn't exist here, right? If you were, you, you're not, there aren't 650 plate appearances with 300 averages with 25 home runs and 15 steals at this point. That is gone. So we can't check every box. The best we can do is check the most that we can. You, you identified a player who's on the 40 man. He's on a bad team with a pathway. And I'm telling you, man, you look at the competition in front of him. There's almost no, I'm, I'm not the best with service time stuff. And sometimes I step on the rake there. So I don't want to speak to it, but he feels like a player that could play his way into the opening day lineup is, is what I think I mean. And there's some steals there. There's some potential there. I like, I like picks like this to me. That is a, is a viable, very late round pick for, for draft champions. Yeah. Um, is it my turn for outfield yet or are you still going? Yeah, dude, no, no, no. Like, I, there were so many people. We could try and figure out the situation on the Indians. Listen, Zimmer has pop. You know, um, Bradley has potential. Oscar Mercado, there might be something there. We've seen glimpses from these guys. The, the point being, you just can keep digging and digging and digging through the outfield ADP. And there, there's opportunity. There's playing time. There's steals. You know, so uh, that is the position that I'm finding – I can draft in the 40s, where in the 40th rounds is what I mean, Zach. Well, I, where, totally, I totally agree with you, Johnny, uh, on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, second no base one's taking that Miles, No one's taking Miles Straw's job away, though. Right. Second base, second base and shortstop, I feel like I have to have that shopping done significantly earlier. And I'm looking at my – yeah, I'm, I'm looking at my last completed draft champions and my – the last middle infielder I drafted – was oh you know what I actually do have a Chavis share because I was pairing him with Alfred but a true one would be Elvis Andrews who we mentioned that was in the 34th round because after that there really aren't even plate appearances to be had if we're not talking about outfielders so I'm making sure I get all my middle infield corner middle and corner infield backups before that that point I want those guys I would say by the 35th round all those guys are starting to dry up, right? The Santiago Espinal and even like a G-Man Choi, guys you think that could be on the strong side of splits that if you're savvy with your NFBC lineups, you can, you know, get to the handedness and maybe take advantage a little bit. But yeah, outfielders, I, I, there were outfielders you could draft all the way down the board. 
All right, I'll give you mine. I'll give you my. Yeah, um, I'll give you mine. Do not drafts before pick uh, four hundred for the outfield. Number one, pick um, ADP forty six. Aaron Judge. Um, just not enough stolen bases at that outfield position. Going that early with what is what else is on the um, shopping agenda at that point in time? No. Um, next, Cody Bellinger, pick one twelve. No, thank you. He batting order. Um, look at it. it. Looks like looks like he hasn't eaten for weeks. Um, he looks. He just looks different. Um, uh, don't trust that. Um, no. Uh, number three, Joey Gallo, pick 194. Yeah, that batting average sucks. Um, you don't want to dig yourself that hole. Um, you can get well-rounded players around there. Um, if he's going to kill your batting average and basically get you not many stolen bases, no thank you. There's, way, there's a lot of gold and there's a lot of gold in outfielders around that point in time. Um, number four, Mark Canna, um, pick 260. Um, he's not going to be hitting that top of the order Mets. Um, his batted ball profile is not good. Um, he's a guy that could potentially lose his job, um, despite what they're paying him. Because I don't know, I don't know, I don't know how much they care about that money there. Like after the fact, like that, that that could be just a sunk cost. Um, I'm just out on him. And then how many of those? How, who else do I need here? Akil Badu, pick one forty three. I get like it's that it's that late steals that you can get. But look at look at all the guys that burned you in that range in prior years. Leone Tavares, his buddy uh, Victor Reyes, like that they got they got Riley Green coming up. They got they got Victor Reyes who didn't play that much last year, but like he was very streaky last year. And if he doesn't perform, um, I get the ceilings there, but like to, he could be like that could be a fucking zero um, right there. Um, it's a very very risky pick for for me. I'd much rather take. Like there's equally risky picks at that range with way higher upside. Um, so no for me. And I think that was it um, for outfield. Um, is that, I think that was five. Canna, Gallo, Badu. Yep. Judge. That was five. That was five. Yep. Yeah. So those are my yeah. five. Yeah. I, I'm with, I'm, I'm with you. And I wonder if I, as you were saying it, you know, a lot of those players share common theme, right? Common threads, right? We were talking about, you're talking about a lack of speed. You're generally talking about very poor disciplinary profiles. And yeah, yeah well, I guess Badu is Badu is the exception to the speed argument, though you countered already. Canna, Canna is too. He steals. Yeah, I, I don't know. He seems to steal. He seems to run over his skis a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know if I believe in the continuation of that, though I mentioned the Giants joining the Rays and the Rockies. We almost can't forget the Mets half of the Mets lineup is completely in flux right now. We have no idea what we're going to see. And I know there's people trying to make definitive claims based on analysis. That's not how these things work. The Mets could easily just be going into the saying we're rotating everybody. We know we've got injury risk. We know Nimmo misses time. McNeil misses time. Cano is getting older. We're just going to rotate everybody at second and outfield. JD Davis is going to play here and there he could play some outfield he may play some third dom smith you might see at first you might see um you might see in the outfield depending on the dh i know alonzo has come out and said he wants to play first every day he's going to play first every day that doesn't mean seven out of seven seven weeks in a row right where he might get five in the field or six in the field maybe that other day it's dominic smith right now with the mets are very hard to get behind it's very hard to get behind and i have found another one right zach we keep popping in from the micro to the macro that being one of the things that has gotten me in trouble specifically, you know, going after guys that don't have a role, a defined 
role. Yeah, sometimes you get lucky and injuries work themselves out. And sometimes a team like the Mets. So deep. It's, it's almost frightening how deep that offense is. It's I, I couldn't make heads or tails of it. Here, let's look at roster resource. And we know they're not, it's not infallible, but they have JD Davis, Jeff McNeil, and Dominic Smith on the bench right now. That's incredible. Those guys would be starting for probably half the teams in the league. So, yeah, Mets arguments or playing time arguments in general, are that's an easy one for me to get away from. I'm off a bad do with the cost, man. I think that power – I think he, he – I think, again, I think the power was over skis. Uh, the the in-zone contact rate super low. The whiff rate is too high. And the power stats are not even great. He's a 32% hard hit rate on both um, sites. He has a single-digit bowel rate. That, that's not great. That's not great. His elevated, his EV on fly balls is below 85. His dynamic hard hit rate is below eight. Uh, yeah, I'm not into Badu. If you're if you're chasing Badu for the steals, I think you missed on what we spoke about earlier, which is that balance early on. Cool. Um, let's. Uh, we got. We were uh, running to the end, and I know. I know you got to leave in less than 20 minutes, but let's get pitching done, and we'll call yeah, it, yeah. We'll call it a day. So hit me with your pitching staff. Okay. Okay. This we can do an end. I was really happy to see. When I was going through the EDP, that I think, I think there's are some saves here. Also, I think I might have one. I think I have one source of save. So I want to start there. I'm just double checking to make sure that the EDP is right because again, these things move so they move so fast and so fluidly, you know. But it's it's Carlos Estevez on the Rockies who he closed out really strong with the role. And I think they're going to go back to him. They haven't brought anybody else in. The call, uh, the Rockies are a disaster. Like I said, he's got it done. So Estevez has a really wide spread. I think there just might be rooms, right, where people have forgotten him. So he's a player that I'm circling in almost every single draft. I have made it a point, Zach, I'm trying to get my saves early, man. I think it's important in draft champions to do just that. You mentioned it before. Not only is it very difficult to find them, you know, as you're sifting through the beach, right, looking for that one grain of sand, you have to spend multiple picks. So I'd rather not have to spend five picks later chasing less saves than I could get with two picks early on. I'd rather kind of just compensate for that. But Estevez was good down the stretch. He was the only Rocky to get saves opportunities once he started getting them in late August. I think the role is his, and he's going at like 450. So to me, that's just enough. If I have two very strong closers to start. I can't hurt you to try and tack on somebody that you think could get an opening day save. And if he's decent enough, the Rockies aren't good. He's going to hold the job. So I just wanted to get to that. Okay, let's do the pitching staff. Again, plenty of pitchers out there, people. So along with outfielders, starting pitching is a place where we can find people late. I'm just going to throw you the names because I know the time is not enough to get through everybody. So Let's talk about opportunities. So we got opportunities, right? Opportunities. Carlos Hernandez on the Royals should be in the opening day rotation. Cole Irvin on the A's should be in the opening day rotation. He went for 178 innings. So, man, that's like the key to draft champion success. You should be able to pencil this guy in all the time. He actually returned $16.5 last year. Brady Singer on the Royals. I think the Royals in general, I probably should have just said Royals because Carlos Hernandez Brady Singer, Daniel Lynch, and Chris Bubich, all going post pick 400. You may have four starters there. I mean, I know they're four humans that are pitchers, but I mean, you may have four of the five pieces. I think Brad Keller will be back. I believe he's healthy. I think. Uh, 
Oh, sorry. No, dude. I'm. Oh, go, oh, this will be for the next appearance. Those those guys are going to bounce back this year. Um, Kyle Hendricks, Brad Keller, and Dallas Keigel all bounce back with the new ball. You heard it here first. And, so, my, and Marcus Stroman, same idea. He's just going to turn into the shitter because it's all fucking variants with those guys. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I. Well, there is a part of that. That's a piece of it. Seam shifted think, wig, my fucking ass. Like, no, how, I think like, there's something like, there. There's no, there's no correlate. There's, there's been no, like they haven't, there's been no statistical correlation between any seam shifted wake stuff. It's just a bunch of physics that they've done that they said okay, it, it, ex- it exists, yes. but like to spend your time analyzing that and, and applying it to fantasy baseball, I think it's a fool's errand right now. Like, okay. That's it, well, I'm, I'm I, not, I I'm not agree. naive enough to say that it's potentially not valuable, potentially invaluable, but right now, like there's no, there's nothing to correlate it. As far well, as, I wasn't you know, going seam shift awake. My thesis, my thesis for those pitchers is they were disproportionately punished by the new ball. It okay. being more bouncy, having a higher EV at the point of contact, but being punished as far as drag. So fly ball pitchers were rewarded. Ground ball pitchers were punished because they got all of the negative, the higher EV, without any of the drag reduction because the ball was hit on a low angle and we know the harder hit balls have a better chance of finding a hole okay i didn't that's, something, that's something that i didn't know now this is something that rob silver pushed back on me on on twitter twitter is the worst place to have nuanced discussions especially somebody like myself and rob who both talk fast and make complex points twitter is just absolutely the worst i, I think he misunderstood i get it it's it's very hard it's probably partly me i'm not trying to put on him i improperly frame things on twitter trying to fit things into single tweets Again, brevity is not my you know strong suit. But my, my point, Zach, was I am not assuming. I would not operate under the assumption we always had the same ball. I don't trust Major League Baseball at all. I think they were always changing things around. The thing is, like a kid with their hand in the cookie jar, they got caught because we actually noticed the ball movement, meaning I think they've been changing the ball, but the differences have just been marginal, which plays into what you're saying. We haven't been able to correlate. However, last year we did see an extreme that we were actually able to call them out on and that they had to admit. So I don't know what the next change will be. My assumption is that the change will be away from the last extreme that we saw, which was that lighter core, higher EV point of contact, more drag. If we were to normalize it all, that was the word I used that Rob was countering. And again, he's absolutely, he was not wrong. I, I do not know, but I do think I have a bit of a leg to stand on with the normalization point because I do believe they're always changing the ball and we just happen to catch them. So that's what I meant by normalizing. But if the point, the the point that should remain is if we get back to a ball more like the ones we've seen in the past, those ground ballers might not be as disproportionately punished and we may see the variance that you talk about, though it still exists, we may see it narrow because the EV is going to drop on those balls, which we know is correlated to BABIP. You know what I'm saying? So again, it's this is not like my definitive claim that is absolutely objective, but there is a little bit there. I think there's some there there. That's what I wanted to get to with the lead ballers. Um, how about, let's go back to these pitchers. A um, couple guys I like, I know I've added... Um, JT Brubaker, he's going to get a shot again with the Pirates. He's showing some flashes. I was digging through the bottom of the Reds rotation, right? They're, they're kind of, they're missing pieces. And they've been talked about moving Castillo, where I think this Raver San Martin, you could get something there. He only had a, literally a couple of starts, but 
man, he was really, really good, Zach. He's got some, you know, there's some there there also. He gets a ton of chases. He doesn't walk hitters. He didn't give up, you know, a blast in his two starts, which is good. But in his career, he's a very low home run guy, also something I like to look for. So I think San Martin has a door opened for success. So that's kind of where I'm looking with these bad, these bad staffs. I have a couple more guys. I wanted to ask you about one guy I had circled that I didn't have the guts to mention is Dylan Bundy. Because <laughs> um, right, this there there are parts of the Bundy profile, even when he's terrible, that have us chasing more. Right? I, I mean, we've we've seen we've just seen it. We've seen the K potential, but can you get back on that on that bus? You know, I don't think so. Well, it depends how late it is. Like, he, like as as like a guy that you're not expecting anything from. Like, I don't even know his ADP. I don't think I've got many shares of him yet. Let's let's look it up. Um, like, yeah, I don't even know where approximately to look for him. I'd just be starting. I'm going to draft right now. I just started at the bottom. His ADP is 451, so no, I'm not in on him there. Oh, that's too uh, high. That's too high. Uh, that's that's really just outside of the top 400. Um, Bunny really cannibalizes your ratios. Is Bunny the cannibal? Well, he he. Gotcha. Um, they made. Oh gosh, they uh, they they moved. No, he was not. Um, no, he you was know, a killer. He, was, he wasn't the cannibal guy? No, 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 no. Dahmer is the cannibal. Yeah, uh, Bundy, yes. Bundy is the nice Bundy is the nice guy. Um, <laughs> the yeah, nice he, guy. He, was the, he was the pretend guy. He was the fake nice guy. Yeah, he was yeah. A, yeah, Bundy was a fake nice guy in 2020 for, <laughs> for fantasy baseball. Yeah, well, that's actually – that was a pretty decent one because you're right. We we saw the change in location, and then we saw like a bit of, of change in the shape of right that slider so then we actually saw a bit of subsequent production kind of come from that right i'm looking at that 2020 line man 329 era 104 whip looking really good man 27k to only six walk 34 percent csw the swinging strike rate was always there which is funny that's what we lost last year like yeah the, and the, but it was the only year he kept that home run rate down they've all come back yeah that's always been the issue with bundy i was wondering if he check the opportunity box for you because I, I do think he's going to get I, I I think he's going to get full run with the Twins I, I think so too as long as he doesn't completely implode like the, the Royals never took Brad Keller out of the rotation except for injury I guess Oh, since we're on the Twins really quick, I know we're, we're coming to the end, but now I got to know because you're my draft champion, you know, spirit animal <laughs> if you don't if you're not into Bundy, again we are talking, let's talk late, late, late beyond Dylan Bundy the back of that twins rotation I found is another place where there are opportunities, Zach. I don't know where it's going to go, right? You could look at Arizona. You could look at Pittsburgh. You could look at Minnesota. You can't quit Randy Dobnak, can you? I can't quit the Fu Manchu. I'm down. <laughs> with, well, let me ask you a question. Does it Dobnak, would, he would also fit into the nonsense narrative I just spun to everybody about the ball. But if you're buying that, he could easily fit into that. We saw his ERA and whip just blow through the roof. We actually saw his home run per nine just skyrocket to where we've never, I mean, it was it was literally double his career high. And that was his first year in like in rookie ball. You know, he had never had a home run rate over one since that 2017 26 innings in rookie ball and last year it was two he had a 765 era with a 154 whip dobnak uh, that was the guy man i didn't know if you were going to go there dobnak is the guy i want i was wondering if you were going to hit us with a little lewis thorpe love no i just knew that you loved dobnak last year 
What about Ober? You, I like, I liked Ober, but now he's going way too high for me, man. Ober is just, yeah, he's climbing up like crazy. Like I had him a couple times, and then like he got there, he got the guys that love him just pushing him up and up and up. It's it's getting ridiculous. Yeah. What, now, what about what about Griffin Jacks? That's somewhere I've been going late as well. I, people, I came here. I'm opening up the cabinet. With the, we're talking Griffin Jacks, we're talking 50th round pick. But I would also, again, Zach, we mentioned it a couple times, but it is important. I think when we're drawing up our strategies in the backup drafts, if we cannot find certainty with playing time, I think correlating players is a good idea. So maybe on one staff, you know, I have like the I'm going with the uh, Dylan Peters. You know, love. I'm trying to think. I had another. I thought I had another pirate, and I just I, I flubbed on it. But yeah, if you go twins, you know, maybe I'm going Dobnak and Jax or Thorpe. I try not to go with three. It's so many, you know, similar to the Royals. Though I think I like the potential for innings from the Royals group. Right? We've seen Singer do it. We've seen Boobich do it, and we saw a nice shot from Lynch last year. So I don't know. Am I, am I maybe Galaxy braining the Twins? I mean, it's possible some teams just have very bad rotations. I was all over uh, Jordan Balazovic last year. Um, just late shots. He never, he never even came up. So he's a guy I might be one year too early on. Like I, I would okay. take him over um, Thorpe for sure. He's on um, the 40. He's on the 40, man. Yeah, I would take him over Thorpe, but I still wouldn't like, but they have like Bundy over Ryan. Um, who else do they have there? Um, which, what else, who else is it projected in their starting rotation? As um, to your question on Jax, I haven't, honestly, I haven't looked into him too, too, um, too carefully yet. And um, just because I'm taking other players and um I just want to mention something. People, people uh, use the term free and they say this player is free. And I just, I, that's just a term that I, I don't use because there's, there's no, there's, there's nothing free. And um, they, they say, Oh, like, what's an example? Like, Oh, I'll draft, I'll draft um, Dylan Peters. He's free. Guess what? He's not free because you're passing on potentially other players that are around there. So great. Yeah. Like, you know what? He's free. If you can draft 200 players on your team, then it's free, but you, you're, right. you're, you're limited to 50 players. I still have 10 to 20 players in my queue when these drafts end. So no one's free. You're, there's always opportunity cost. So that's something that I dislike is when people say that, oh, this player is free. It's not, not no one's free. Because oh, excellent. I love that, man. I really do. And I, I'm, I could I could expand on it. I hate when people say, oh, like it, it goes along the line. It's, it's in the same vein of what you're saying. Oh, you know, so I threw a dart. Oh, like yeah. I take a stab. That's no. loser talk. That's taking a stab is is loser language for I'm giving up. You know, and again, we, we mentioned this. There is no absolute validation, but you should have a strategy and you should be backing it up. It was Mitch Keller. I can't believe I can't forget oh, Mitch, Mitch Keller. Keller. Right. So there are there are pirates builds I have where I'm looking at Dylan Peters, Bryce Wilson, Mitch Keller, maybe even Max Cranick. Now, on the, the Minnesota side, there are squads where I like Dobnak and Thorpe and Jax this year, particularly I'm trying to keep those players on the same team because I think if you go for the back end of the twins and the pirates and the diamondbacks, you could lose on them all. But I think if you grab, I think if you have three pieces on that twins, I think you'll end up with one good one. Same for the pirates. That's good. That's that's sage advice. I think I like that. And you know me, I always like to pair um, back ends of rotations for three guys shooting for that last spot. I think it's, um, I think it could, I think it, work, it could work out. Um, That's often. the Kyle Wright theory. That's my Kyle, Kyle Wright, Wright theory. And he's part of that trio this year again. But um, I, I can't even draft. Now, now he's expensive or more expensive not. than I want to pay. 
Right. And I, I, he'll probably, so people, you heard it here first, Kyle Wright locked in to have a big season because he's <laughs> probably, dude, he's probably my most drafted player in my NFBC career because it's not very long, but I've done it quite a few drafts and I've always taken Kyle Wright. Cause I've been, I've been trying to find that number five spot on the Braves forever, forever. Dude, Tuki Toussaint, Kyle Wright, Bryce Wilson. I want I, Ian Anderson. See, but Ian Anderson is a good example of that year. That was a hit because Anderson was very good, oh, yeah. you know, and then actually I think Tukey came in later that year and was effective. So, you know, people, if you could build correlating pitchers that also have, you know, viable skill sets, you, you could be talking about a path towards winning in draft champions. All right. I know we got to go soon. So I'll just run through my pitches. Yeah, do it, baby. Um, a lot of these guys are similar. So first guy is Jordan Romano. Um, avoiding him just because of that situation in Toronto. Nothing to do with his skills, but um, it's his injury. A history. I think that uh, ulnar neuritis is just um, something that uh, uh, came back really soon. It sort of reminds me of like a Degrom type situation. Like, 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 yeah, this is like he's got unfinished business with his elbow, and the Jays could add someone. So, no, I'm out on him. Um, Charlie Morton, um, just out. He's too old. Uh, you Darvish um, at pick 97. No, no, um, old, declining, um, sticky stuff guy. Maybe I don't know, but like, no, don't like it. Um, Strowman, pick 167. Nope. You're just, frankly, like, I don't know why he's pushed up that high. There's just better pitchers there. Um, I get the safety thing. It's like roster, like you need him for your roster construction, yeah. but just um, a, yeah. my advice to you is just fucking draft better if you need to mark, draft Mark and Strowman there. Um, here am I getting cocky and fucking losing all these draft champions leagues, but um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Lot, well, no, these... I mean, but you, you're, you're onto something. He does provide a, a perception of value, but again, I'm talking about taking my ground ballers, right? The ground ballers I mentioned, I want to take in the 400s. I'm not trying to spend pick 150 on a ground baller with a with a sub. You know, I don't. I really try not to draft a pitcher in the first 18 rounds. I'd say that doesn't have a better than a 27% K rate. Forget 21%. And you know, the batted ball stuff could get wonky with a guy like Strowman. The path for him to get in trouble is surely there. So here's the, here, I don't I don't want to sound like oh I, like I'm getting cocky against the people that are drafting Marcus Stroman, but the way my mind works is that I want to I want to I want to become the best I can at these draft champions, and I want to shoot for the overall. And if I'm taking someone at pick 150 who's a band aid for my team, that's not what I want to do. I want to draft better than that. I don't want to be taking band I don't want to be putting on band aids to pick 150. I want to be drafting my team, not needing them. So that's just, that's just how my mind works and what, what I'm striving to do. So Marcus Stroman is not somebody that I really want to take at that point. Um, uh, Kershaw, easy, fade. Um, yeah. Syndergaard, same thing. No yeah. chance either of those guys are on my team. No, no chance in hell. Um, two similar guys, uh, Dylan Floro and Lucas Sims, just at, at pick 200 and 218 respectively. They're just too high for players that I just, I think the odds are against them saving games. Yeah. Um, yep. That said, I do have a, a share of Lucas Sims that I drafted on a team that I shared with um, Graham, my my buddy, and uh, he I fell asleep, so he took Lucas Sims. But um, it wasn't a big, it was it, was, it wasn't uh, it wasn't nearly at two eighteen. I think it was like in the four hundred. So like I don't mind that at all. But Lucas I've Sims, been chasing those red saves oh, I since since Iglesias left, dude. Oh man, last year like that was I had everybody. Powerful. I thought, I, I, yeah, I, me too. That was a fallacy. I thought that I could corner that market and, gra and grab two of them, like Lucas Sims, Amir Garrett, TJ Anton. Like, if I, I'm like, I'm, I'm set. I got one, at least one close. I had Lorenzen also. I had, four, I see that was, the, and I'm glad that is a perfect spotlight on the mistake that I made that I've since 
uh, technically at least attempted to correct. I thought, similar to what you said, I thought I could corner markets and get late saves with late picks that I was perceiving as free, right? So I'm kind of tying in all the mistakes that we were talked about. And I had Antone, Lorenzen, Sims, and Garrett, like, everywhere. Did I even get 15 saves from the four guys? Like, geez, awful. No, it you was didn't. awful. Yeah, it was and awful. No, and I know I didn't. So um, I've got a question for you to end it off after I give you my last, I'll just, I'll just spit off my last I think, two pitchers or three pitchers. Um, Ashby just, um, I don't get it. Like, I know he's good, but like his rules uncertain. He's going at 264. No. Yeah. Tyon is going around 300. No, like he's not even going to be ready. And Steven, Steven Strasburg, what was it? The, the, the rib cage surgery, what's it called? Thoracic outlet surgery. Fuck no. Like just no, um, not even they're, they're dead. I'm ghosting them. Um, so my question to you is, um, just end things off. I know we got to end it now. Um, we talked about the Lucas Sims, Amir Garrett, TJ Anton, Lorenzen, uh, field experiment. Do you yeah. see any mirror images of that this year that you can sort of get ahead of the game and say, Hey, Hey, hey John, wait a second. You're making that same mistake. Yeah. Everywhere. It's absolutely <laughs> everywhere. Well, I, I'm telling you, I, I, I hope my correction is not necessarily an overcorrection, but I think I'm okay with it. If it is to me. I'm taking a very binary approach, Zach. Um, if it if it's not solid, it's invisible almost. You know, so you mentioned Toronto and Romano, and I've even wondered like how I feel about that. And if I'm not sure, that means that nope, that means I need my guys before then. You you name them. You know, you you name me a guy that you're kind of fading, and I'll give you a, a situation I'm worried about. Right? I am worried about the Marlins. People, yeah. I think, are drafting a closer for the Marlins, and I'm not sure is necessarily there. Um, but we've got we've got the, the Reds. I'm trying to think of a, of, a, of a team that you draft several of them. Like there could be several of them. Like people are the, on. But what about like the even the Giants? Okay, Giants. People are. Oh well, yeah. Now every, the Giants are a very good example. People, everyone is in love with Doval, right? But McGee carried the load for the entire season. We know he can do it. Oh, I I wanted to mention the Nationals. Is it going on? Kyle Finnegan finished with the uh, he i don't know why they kept perfect example i don't know why they kept giving him the ball but he continued he continued to get the ball in the highest leverage save situations almost seemingly no matter what they almost seem to not care rainy is behind him finnegan is kind of forgotten i already have i have drafted him very late my hope was he's gonna save a couple games maybe in the first month and then he's probably finished for me um, but yeah, a guy like that, could you take Rainey? Could you take Finnegan? Could you rely on either either one of those guys? What about um, Seattle, right? I've drafted Giles, hoping that he's the guy. I don't think they paid him to do nothing, but that's a very impactful bullpen, man. Paul Sewald is out there, and Steckenrider is a lot. And I think Steckenrider might not, he might not have got picked up. Like he might technically be a free agent right now. But the, regardless, the Mariner bullpen is very good. So, you know, you have to pay for Giles, which I have, but man, it was kind of holding my nose because what if he doesn't even get the role? It's wasted. And what if he splits? It's kind of wasted. So, man, to your question, I am trying to narrow my closer ownership down to those six, seven, or eight situations, even if it's that many. I have never drafted closers like this before, and I'm doing it proudly this year, Zach. I'm getting I'm getting the guys that I think I could put in for 25 saves and letting everyone else ch- chase the 50th rounders. Yeah, I think that's something that me and you, like you talked about us, us um, making waves in these, in, in these draft champions. I think that I've noticed you doing it and myself doing it, just being more proactive getting saves. 
Yeah. And for me, catchers as well. Again, another mistake I made, I mentioned before. Now I am not going into pick 150 without any saves or without any catchers. I have two good catchers and two good closers. It's just part of the game. It's format dependent. And I'm trying to be malleable. And I truly believe that is one of the real keys to succeeding. And one of the things that has held me back in the past. So, you know, I hope we highlighted a bunch of useful stuff there. Your podcast now is for high stakes NFPC stuff. Dude, this is where to go. You and Rob's, you know, uh, the Deadpool hitter pod is, is it for high stakes stuff. Yeah. Rob's my boy. Rob is awesome. Give him a shout out. What's up, Robbie. I was gonna. I was gonna try and do like a really bassy impression of him, but I didn't want to come off like I was making fun of him. That's my boy. But he, he's got like a he's got like a bassy voice. I'm already losing my voice, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to do it. Make fun of him. Rob, we'd love you to Roto Farmer, man, for life. Yeah, we don't we don't say don't be a bag of shit because sometimes we are bags of shit on the show. So. <laughs> yeah, me and you have some stained clothes. I think, Not man. you. Fucking yeah, <laughs> kids. So um, what, let's end, let's end it off here. Um, I think the cool. uh, I think the audio quality is is impeccable. If anyone has any issues with my audio quality for this podcast, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> if you made it to the end, thank sure. you. Maybe I want to plug I want to plug my stuff. I always forget. I've been putting of course, my of course. I've been, I've uh, please everybody, please please check out my video series on the Corked Stats YouTube channel. And now I also have baseball content up on the Mayo Media Network on youtube as well i have like a, a my own playlist and i'm really diving in deep i've tried to step up the production value i'm really i'm working really really hard the views and the subscribers have not been there yet but i'm hoping as people swap over from that other sport you know that they'll uh they'll check it out i think the content is evergreen for the off season i started going through all the top starting pitchers and i'm really doing deep dives into the articles they're about into the arsenals i should say they're like 10 to 15 minutes a piece and I, I, my hope is when you're done watching it, you almost don't have to research that play anymore. You're leaving with an idea of exactly what to expect and why, and that'll be it. So please, everyone, check out my stuff. Zach, thanks for having me. I, I love talking baseball, man. Hey, thanks for coming. Um, yeah, yeah um, I love what you're doing. Um, uh, I, I listened to your Ranger Suarez 15-minute um, thing today. It was awesome. Um, so yeah, I think you're doing great work. And I think, um, yeah, again, follow uh, Big Johnny. And yeah, MLB, <laughs> MLB moving AVG on Twitter and um, great to talk to you, my friend. Yeah, you're the man. All right. Ciao.